Hello, welcome to our latest episode of Ask Us Anything. This episode is called Getting Through the Door. It is about different journeys into supported accommodation. Enjoy listening and have a pleasant day. How did you find yourself in supported accommodation? Um, okay, so basically about maybe nine, ten months ago now, I found out it existed and that I could go here, but they were like, don't put your pin, don't pin your hopes on it. And I found out that the social workers were actually telling my mother, I'm going to try and not get her in there because it's a bad place. But they didn't really, they've never been here before, so they didn't know. So that, that was all happening. So I had pretty much everyone against me when I was trying to like come here so I had to act basically I had to be on my best behavior I had to be an angel for about five months to get here um and then basically a lot started happening at home and my parents started kicking me out and then calling the police when once I'd actually gone um and then eventually this was like during my GCSEs as well and it eventually just got to a point where the my mother came in my room, she was like, you know what, I finally get what you've been saying all these years now, we shouldn't be living together, it, it isn't right, and then I got an interview later that day on the phone with uh, people here, and then later that day I moved in, I didn't know anything about it, it was terrifying, <laughs> it was. Actually, it is the best thing that's ever happened to me, the best Thank you for sharing that. Could you say a little bit about why, for you, it's the best move that you've ever made? Me and my family, we weren't functional. They, they loved my little sisters, but they didn't. They didn't love me. They didn't hold that for me, so I was just treated in really bad ways, ways people don't still don't know about. So it was it just got to the point where I was like, if I stay here, I'm not gonna last that much longer, you know, because it was getting really bad. So I knew I had to do something. And my parents were telling me that I'm in a dreamland if I think I'm gonna be able to move out and shit like that. But um yeah, I got here. I did it. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really happy for you that, that you did, and I'm sorry that you had to go through what you went through. I'm, I'm delighted that it's been so positive for you. And I know you spoke on a previous podcast about uh, going to university as well. When uh, you said before about social workers, how, uh, how did you get in touch with the social workers and let them know that this is what you wanted to do? I was already given one. I already had one for like a while. I was on the child protection register. I only got off about two weeks ago now, which I'm so happy about because it pain in the ass. But um, basically, I used to either go missing or my parents would kick me out and then call the police telling them I ran away. 
So I was given a social worker because I had cams, I had therapists, I had all this different crap. None of it like helped me personally, therapists didn't help me. But um, I was given a social worker because of that. Yeah, a lot happened. I tried telling some social workers about something that happened, well, things that were happening, but um, basically I got blackmailed into having to take it back saying it was fake. Right. So, uh, yeah, a lot happened. So basically, I already had a social worker, so I didn't really like find get in touch with them because I didn't have a phone. I didn't have any contact with anyone. I couldn't leave the house. They wouldn't let me. Yeah. So yeah, I basically already had one. That's kind of all I had, and they had to visit like every ten days because, well, it was the law because I was on the register. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then getting in touch with the folks at the supported accommodation and then being able to move in so quickly must have felt like you'd really exactly. taken charge and taken charge of things for yourself and, and um, started on this really positive part of your life now. Yeah, it was terrifying, but it was the best thing that I've Um, Bobby was saying that it happened really quickly for her once she'd made contact with the folks um, at Coid List. Was it a similar sort of speed for you or did, did the process of getting into it support and accommodation long. take long? It felt really long, but it wasn't long. It just felt long because of the circumstances. So the wait felt long, even though it probably wasn't very long at all in a few weeks to a few months. Um, did you start that process? Uh, my dad did it for me. Um, what what was that process like for you? So the the how it happened was basically I was living with my dad. I just turned eighteen. Um, I just got out of um, a residential treatment care home thing, so I was on a full care order there, and I moved in with my dad. Um, I lived with him for about a year or two before they decided they couldn't cope because um, the, the the strain of looking after me damaged their marriage together so um i they they had to they also got their own so basically a load of things went wrong at once and they had to sell the yeah. house yeah. um and i couldn't live on my own due to the issues i had some illnesses at the time so i wasn't able to live independently yeah. um and nobody else in the family wanted me so <laughs> i was at risk of coming homeless and then at the same time they were selling the house so and um, it wasn't suitable to be sold. So they were having to like pull things apart. Like um, they were taking out windows to like replace it. And so it stopped feeling like a, a, a home. It was just a house I was in. Um, it was really scary, um, lots of fighting and stuff. And the illness I had at the time, I was trying to go to college and it was just awful. Um, so my dad was going around to the council, like, hey, he needs somewhere to go. Uh, we can't look after him. and we're running out of money, we need to start the house, we can't live here. Um, and that's basically when I became homeless and council just were like, you're not, you'll be fine. And we weren't fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and luckily we found the um, hostel in Hollyhead. Uh, and then I had an interview with my dad. My dad did most of the talking because again, I wasn't very well. And then I got into the hostel and I think since living in the hostel, I'm now the best place I've ever been, ever. 
um, and the most independent I've ever been because growing up I was in care and then before that I was being looked after by my dad and now I'm fully independent since living here so <laughs> we were talking just before we started recording as well weren't we about uh being a performer and uh and the sort uh, of things that, that you're looking to do I was still in performing arts around about the time I got homeless so trying to balance uh the pressure of rehearsing and acting like there wasn't anything going on outside of college was really difficult having an illness being homeless and then uh being independent for the first time in my life and my family were falling out uh like just a load of things went wrong at once it was the scariest yeah. time in my life and it felt like no one knew what I was going through sure. um so it yeah <laughs> I got hospitalized soon after that as well because yeah. the stress of becoming homeless and everything all at once the second I arrived at the host- at the hostel I was hospitalized because I it just wasn't ready the second I got there to to process anything so um yeah. I left for a month was in hospital for a month got back to the store and then everything went perfect it's only been gone up since then and I've it's I've got the staff to thank for that I don't know what I'd do without the staff at the hospitals I thought the only reason people went into hospitals if they, if they were like on the street I thought yeah. that was it um I didn't realize that you could go into a hostel for reasons like you just can't uh, you can't get your own place due to money or mental health and I didn't realize that that was there were other reasons other than being on the street. I didn't know yeah. that. And it's ch- and it's changed everything for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I, I can now imagine myself uh, living alone. Which, um, like, even when I was little, I, I, I my family were always saying, oh, you, you, "You'll never be able to look after yourself. You'll never like be stable enough to do stuff like that." And now I can. It's just case there was a two-year process, kind of, from like first leaving home to ending up here, because I kind of because like uh, I knew I wanted to leave my family because that wasn't uh, very functional or suitable for me, and but I didn't know how to end up here, what this was, so I ended up uh, using uh, what's it called. So because I didn't know any what my options were in the time, I ended up. Uh, ended up finding a stranger online to move into the house and so I ended up uh, couch surfing as it were and I moved yeah. I took a, a a coach trip which took over 100 miles to just go from like Lancashire to Wales I ended up just living like uh, and for like over a year I ended up like sleeping on the floor in the flat of a stranger in just somewhere in Wales that I like hadn't known before and it's just kind of like but that was the only option I could end up like figuring out with the lack of support and my limited uh, knowledge of the situation. And I only yeah. found out when I was like considered homeless, you know, living in a house that I wasn't like legally said to have been living in, living on the floor, not really uh, officially living anywhere. I only found out that I was technically homeless when uh, my, uh, what's it called? My work coach of a job centre told me, like, you do know you're like, this is homelessness, right? I'm like, what? I, I didn't, I didn't realise. Uh, and from then, he tried to give me support, but that was blocked by, uh, let's just say, finding strangers on the internet to move into the houses of 
isn't the best way to find good people who are able to support you into moving out on from that situation. It was very negative and not good, that place, really. And yeah. so I was offered uh, support workers and uh, organisations for, like, homelessness support and all that such. But I was usually blocked by the person who I was living with at the time, who, whose floor I lived on. Uh, and eventually, finally, uh, I was, like, fully dedicated to, like, not letting it be blocked anymore, but I wanted to leave that flat as fast as humanly possible and that I needed to go somewhere. I knew that I was homeless and that there was support out there and slowly came together. I finally found out that this company existed, uh, got the number, then called, and from that it was a very, like, a, a fairly smooth process of just getting on the books and then they interview, interviewed me a few times and then I was uh, gone. Yeah, um, so basically, I used to kick off at home loads of times, like where, literally, if I turn my camera around, if you see that wall of glass, yeah. basically, I used to punch that wall, like, more than, like, over 100 times on that, where the stem is that my brothers and sisters were seeing me do it, where they were trying to start it. Then my mum and dad, they couldn't have us here because I was doing that. Then, cause I, so I had the support worker at the time, but I don't have one now. Um, I moved from my mum's to Coidless at the start. But I was like on a waiting list. Right. But I moved out of Coidless. And that, then I went to my dad's sister which is my auntie, stayed there. My auntie couldn't look after me. And then I came back to my mum's and my mum and dad started talking about putting us in, like, to accommodation and that. And I still, I still had my support worker then. Then um, between Halloween, my uh, support worker got in touch with me, stating that he emailed um, Chase Gwynt and that. Then from that, I think it was around November when I moved in. I, w- I were a bit, like, shocked at first, like, when I heard. But as soon as I got there, I did feel like... I did feel, like, proper... And, like, not annoyed, like, but proper... Shy and all that. Yeah. Is I didn't have a clue what was coming. It did take it did take like a few days and that. Where when I first when I first had the phone call. And that they said uh, what day that I could move in, and that. Which um I had up to seven days to move in. At the time. Then from that I was up. Then from that I was happy. It's helped, yeah. Plus, my mates were like, "Oh, Charlie, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't move out. You couldn't do all you, all the things that you could do." But that's the only thing is, I proved them all wrong, and that where the stand is, I, I've got nearly my own clothes, 
my own shoes and that and I've been paying all my rent as well. All my mates couldn't do that. I'm always yeah. saying that. I'm saying at our age, at the age of most of the people in the hostel, we're doing more than most people our age would be doing. Yeah, literally, it's like I had a mate today stating, oh, you won't join a football team. What have I done? Joined the football team. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. I have a few mates my age. Um, obviously, there's nothing wrong with living with your parents. It's the skills I'm talking about. I have a yeah. few friends my age who can't use the washing machine, don't know how to cook for themselves. Like, if if you hand them, if you told them, like, hey, can you write this letter and post it, they probably wouldn't know. Um, I, I'm listing off these skills for a reason because I learned most of these since moving to the hostel as well. Um, so we're, we're doing more than most people would our age um, by, by living here. If there are some young people listening to this podcast who are in difficult circumstances, what could you say to them that would encourage them to take a step towards getting some support? If you hear of places like hostels or places like that, don't assume that they're like every organisation you've worked with in the past. Like um, when I got to the hostel, they made all these promises like, oh, we can support you with your mental health. We can support you with money. We can support you with this. And if you're, if you've had a similar life, like to me, for example, you're just going to assume it's like every other service you've worked with, making promises that they're not going to keep. Give them a chance. That's the only thing I can suggest. And it's going to be hard. Don't accept you're going to move in and you're going to be fine. Because I've been here for almost two years now and I'm still not where I want to be. <laughs> um, but I'm getting there. And it's you, it's just giving it a chance. That's all I can say. Just give them a chance. Right, thanks for listening. Keep asking for help until you get until you get the help you need. It's available.